to the Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. And I'm Stacy Roberts. And we are, we are the, the Sons of Joy. Joy. You're listening to Sajcast number, I can't, even, I can't even believe this. It's a double digit number. That's double not digit right. number. It is Ten. our 10th ever Sajcast. Holy crap. Yes, indeed. Today's uh, Sajcast is sponsored by Dogs. Makers of, you've got to be kidding me. It's raining outside and you need to take a walk? Not on the carpet. Drop that, and by the way, where did you get that? And shut the hell up. It's just the mailman. Shut the hell up! Right. This is what dogs make. As Canine familiars. That's right. In fact, I've just come back from walking my dog as you were finishing the pre-production. Thought it would be interesting to to share with our audience a little bit about the dogs in our lives. <laughs> well, when you say it like that. I was to say, we probably have pictures of these beasts somewhere, too. We can. I think we're going to have to put um, pictures of them on People the, will demand it. They will demand it. So... Um, for my part, I can tell you that I am not a dog person, and that's mostly because I am rehabilitated trailer trash. <laughs> when you live in a Winnebago, there is no room for a dog. Barely room for a cat, but you made it work. Well, we made it work, because the cat you could put up in high places and not worry about it falling down. <laughs> but dogs would fall and break something, and then you've got a whole new thing going on. So cats were more my thing. But then I had children, and my children, my two daughters, are dog people. And so four years ago, they they said, well, Dad, it's time for us to get a dog. Like like it had been predicted um, <laughs> ages ago. And the this prophecy was, is fulfilled. The prophecy is fulfilled. It's time to get a dog. So we went and we got a dog from a shelter. And um, it was a very tiny yellow dog. I think she's a whippet is what, what they call her. She runs very fast. Yeah, um, she looks a bit like like if you yeah you're across a yellow lab with a greyhound and kept right. the yellow coat yeah. right and a little so, tiny thing and she runs very fast and very she fast. and she's not very smart and <laughs> and since this was their idea I did not take an active role in raising or training the dog which everyone now tells me was a big dumb idea <laughs> so when I say the dog is dumb I think it pales in comparison to my whole dog ownership plan which was cosmically stupid here's why. Having been raised by two little girls, this dog has, as I may have mentioned in a previous Sajcast, and I won't tell you which one, she's got like six names, because mm. they couldn't decide what to name her, and so they came up with a string of names, um, as if she was somehow descended from the Holy Roman Emperors. But that's not even the worst part. The worst part is, is that this dog cannot get through her day without hugging my children. And this is not an arm around the collar hug. This is a full-on, she's facing you, she puts both paws on either side of your head, and hugs you. And if she really likes you, and this is how you can tell, while she's hugging you, she will cry. <laughs> and so, no, no, it's not pathetic. Gentle weeping. Yes. And so, my kids were telling me yesterday, they let her out to go to the bathroom, and they forgot to put her, her line on. And when, a, when you have a dog that runs at 25 miles an hour... You might not see her again. In a yard with no fence. In a yard with no fence. And so she was all the way down the hill when she realized that she had run outside without giving the kids their hug and came back to hug them and cry. And then she went out to do her business. That's that, a heck of a thing to have to explain to the dog sitter when, when you go out yes. of town. How do you leave instructions for somebody to take care of your dog? All right, listen. Before you let her out to do her business, you have to hug her. And I mean a full-on hug. She may cry. 10, 20 seconds at least. Yeah, it's not one of the, you know, it's a hug where you gotta count with Mississippis before you can <laughs> let go. Otherwise, well, and this is what you have to explain. Well, what happens if you don't do that, right? That's the logical question. And with dogs, there's always an immediate repercussion. 
Well, what happens if I give the dog too much water? Well, you know what happens. What happens if I don't walk the dog regularly enough? Well, you know what happens. So how does anybody who knows anything about dogs say, what exactly happens if I don't give the dog her hug? Well, we don't want to contemplate it. We are so afraid of what of what might happen if this dog doesn't get her daily hugs that we just do it. And we're ashamed of it. And we promise never to speak of it out loud to anyone. Wait. Again. Except this time. After this. Is this thing on? <laughs> oh, my God. So that's my dog. Well, it's one of the dogs at your house. That's right. There's another dog at your house that maybe another dog, my girlfriend's you dog. Don't claim. <laughs> yes, uh, Jake. He is a, a chocolate lab. He's sort of the antithesis of he, Sophie. Who he is, is because because he does what he's told. He's voice activated. You say get over here, and he goes over there. You say get up in the chair. He gets up in the chair. You say get down from the chair. He gets down from the chair. You don't have to hug this dog. <laughs> nothing. Nothing has to happen. This this dog requires almost nothing of you. And so, to me, he fulfills the role that dogs were intended to fulfill, and on a daily basis makes my dog look bad. We try not to talk about that either. In case Sophie's listening to this Sajcast, it's fine. Just keep up with the <laughs> crying and the hugging, and everything will be fine. Do your do your thing. Well, of course, I have a dog. Her name is Kodos, and Kodos is a well. To the best of our knowledge, she is half Sharpe, uh, the wrinkly puppy dog, mm-hmm. and half American Bulldog. The pound where we got her from the humane society this was in florida uh, she was what was called a hurricane dog so this happens regularly in her in florida there's hurricanes that come in and people who have puppies are like crap <laughs> there's a hurricane coming we have to get all of our canned food out and line up the tin <laughs> and we don't need puppies to feed so they give them to the shelter in the days leading up to the hurricane this was in the aftermath of the hurricane before before katrina the same year. Yeah, I don't remember. So it was a, it was a it was a rough year in Florida. So we got hit by uh, Katrina rolled over us after this storm, but this storm had come through from the west coast, came over from Tampa and cleared across the state west to east, which is really weird. Yeah. Um, and anyway, that was the storm that um, she was dropped off, and and my daughter who also said it's time to get a dog. Although we had had dogs in the past, we were just. Uh, between dogs, I guess, because the, the previous one had passed on, and so it was time to get a new one. And so we got us a hurricane dog. There was a big litter of them, and they were all super cute. And my daughter picked out the one she wanted, and they said, no, that one's already adopted. In fact, all of them are adopted except this little one in the back, the runt of the litter. Take it or leave it. <laughs> it's hard to believe, looking at her now, that she was a runt of the litter, because she's a big old beast with a giant head. Mm-hmm. And we'll, well, you'll see the pictures, but... um She requires daily walking upstairs uh, here at Studio Z, because I have... Well, I don't have what many people refer to as a yard. <laughs> That's right. That's I live right. in the city, and so um, I'm in a kind of like a brownstone step up, and there's nowhere to go except a couple of parking lots around here that have grass. So I walk a couple blocks with her and, and let her do her tinkle. So she's constantly in need of the walking and so on. But it was occurred to me that every time I leave, which has been pretty frequent in the past, my dog ended up at your house. But we're not complaining. So imagine three dogs then, you know, the le- the smallest, is, I mean, Sophie's what, 40 pounds maybe? Yeah, I mean, that's the little one, and then they just one. go up from there. So it's a lot of dog to be running around. It is a lot of dog to be running around. But uh, one of the things that we were doing, in fact, um, I was working on this problem just yesterday, was trying to get uh, my dog and Suzanne's dog, whose name is Honey, who is um, like a yellow labby kind of dog, uh, to get along a little better. So when we first got them together which was a couple years ago now 
we um, we weren't real careful about their introduction, and we probably should have been because neither one of them had really had problems with other dogs, and it didn't occur to us that they might have a problem with one another, and they did. And it was a snowy afternoon in her yard, and I let Kodis in the yard, and two seconds later there was blood on the snow, <laughs> and it was a big mess. And so they had a couple of fights, and then we kind of stopped introducing them to each other and just held off on that. But uh, recently we took them to uh, like a you know a doggy coach, doggy therapist, and they got some instruction. And so now a couple times a week we bring them together, and we've had good success in the last like, well, I mean since we've been on this program there haven't been any fights. And last night, the dogs were together for like four or five hours off leash without any trouble. And they they mostly just ignore each other. They're not chums, but hopefully there'll be a day when you'll have only two dogs when I leave town. And and I am looking forward to that day. But of course, now those of the the listeners are going to wonder, well, how did you get this this dog to integrate into the pack at my house? Well, careful planning. To a point. But but here's also what it takes, and the cat people listening will understand. One, you have to really not care what happens to the dogs. That I mean, is that is the problem. I mean, it's is, the throw them in the pool and swim theory. Yes, I mean the problem is is that if, if if you've got one dog owner on one side and the other dog owner on the other side, they care about what happens to their dogs. Well, I am not burdened by such things. What I did was I put your dog on one side of a gate, I put Jake on the other side of the gate, and I gave them liberally of treats, meat, cheese. And so that their first association with each other was they learned one thing. And by the way, dogs can learn things. Cats know everything, but dogs can learn. And what these dogs learned on that day was, as long as I'm hanging out with this dog, I'm getting beef jerky and, and string cheese, and I like that. And so they've been best buds ever since. Or at least there's no fighting, which is all I really care about. But Laura, who is a dog person, was like, well, what if they fight? I'm like, well, they're dogs. And this is, my children were there at the time, and they said, Dad, how could you possibly say that? I was like, well, they're not dogs. He's like, no, how can you not care about what happens to them? I'm like, I think that that communicates the right message to the dogs. It's a pack. It's a pack problem, it's and a the pack, pack will work it out. Right. So, uh, anyway, so there's peace in my in my particular dog pack, and soon there will be peace in your particular dog pack. Well, and, and to, when when Sophie, when we introduced Kodos to Sophie, that was the part that I said actually had some planning, because... The very first place that Kodos got to touch ground in Kentucky was at your house. Oh, that's right. Partly because I didn't really have a house at that point. Well, I kind of did, but... Um, and the first dog that she saw was Sophie. And Sophie is kind of a pushover, so she's not yeah, one to start a fight anyway. Sophie is Kodos's pet. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so she really enjoyed your house, and then it was the introduction of other dogs oh, that right. made things more complicated. But ten minutes later, uh, sponsored by dogs. <laughs> and all the things that they bring along with them. Okay, so that theme there means that uh, we're changing the format a little. A little bit. So rather than jumping into current events as we normally would right now, uh, we're going to take a moment to talk to the audience about a change in plans. That's right. We, um, we've, based on some feedback that we've gotten and some thoughts that we had ourselves, we decided to modify our format a tiny bit. Yes. Keeping with our tight structure that we love so much, but uh, but uh, consolidating some things and adding some other stuff. So one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to trim current events down to a bare minimum of uh, what's actually kind of uh, current that we might want to talk about in relation to previous podcasts that we've talked about. And because we're probably sick of politics at this point <laughs> in our election year. Yeah, go 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 see when this was released. But yeah, everything that'll make sense. Everything that's current events now is all about politics, and the more you watch that, the less inclined you are to talk about it. It, it angers up the blood. It does. 
And then so what we're going to do is consolidate the tiny current events that we have with our project updates, which we also expect to be somewhat small, and to introduce a new section, which we call Tales from Sage History. Yes, and we did this because if you have cable TV, there's a huge gap in your historical knowledge now. As I may have mentioned in previous Sajcasts, and I won't tell you which one, but the History Channel has dropped the ball. They're not doing anything with history anymore. Um, they're talking about it only tangentially, as when the American pickers go into the Pawn Stars pawn shop and say, hey, I found this nickel that used to belong to Abe Lincoln. And they say, that's great, I'll give you 30 bucks for it. Abe Lincoln who? Never mind. Since the History Channel isn't doing it anymore, we figured that we'd talk more history and then we realized in order to have credibility, we'd have to speak only of things that we know about firsthand. That means Saj history. History of things that have happened to us. We're hoping that you will find it entertaining. Unless we do a past life regression. But that will be this week. We don't have that kind of time. And we lack the specialists. <laughs> but but don't worry. Uh, reviews are still there. And everyone's favorite food porn. We'd be, we'd be fools to throw that out. We would be fools to get rid of the porn. Yeah, anyway, um, a quick set of current uh, events today as we were uh, preparing for the uh, the Sajcast here at Studio Z. Uh, we encountered a large band of pirates. Uh, surrounding the studio. Surrounding the studio, which I have to say has never happened before. That's right. So naturally, uh, today is Talk Like a Pirate Day. Yeah, today being the 19th of September is our Talk Like a Pirate, yes, Scalawag Day. And so we assume that they were somehow connected with that thing, but there were there were X's drawn on the pavement. We found a, a doubloon <laughs> that they're yes. apparently not very good pirates because no. they were leaving their doubloons behind. Right. They're supposed to take it with them, but we are not going to criticize a band of pirates that's surrounding our podcasting studio. And so we really just wanted to get past them and back into production. We feel more like privateers ourselves than That's pirates. Right. Yes, executive pirates. Yeah, so uh, that was one just kind of odd thing I thought it would be fun to throw out as it was a, a connection to the date. The other that we talked about last, last week was that the uh, desktop ballista had arrived, and it arrived in a lot of pieces. And for those of you who are counting on this, I did not put it together. Yes. it, it Which it, is why it works. It required a video, actually. They, they supplied a YouTube link, and they said, oh. go there and watch us build one. <laughs> And then you do that. So there was no instructions per se. It was okay. just watching the video. So uh, we'll have a picture of this up next to our uh, our microphone for scale, perhaps. That seems like a good choice. But I thought I would test fire it once here, and, and we don't have the cat handy, which would have been good. But it's a dog episode, so. <coughs> I'm sorry, but if this, if this episode is sponsored by dogs, wouldn't they want us to fire some kind of projectile oh, oh. on a cat? That's true. So anyway, let me, uh, let me wind this up. Uh, you'll see from the pictures there that it's kind of like a crossbow. Uh, it's kind of like a crossbow. Yeah, exactly. We have a little cranking mechanism down at the bottom that we turn. There's a cog on one side and a little set pin that holds it every time we turn it so that the cog doesn't go too far. And then we reach the maximum tightness. No, well, and let me interject here since which um, we have. Since again, we've 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 mentioned this gap before, but since you cannot turn to the history channel for an explanation of the ballista, I would just tell you that this looks like a crossbow that the Romans would naturally have improved upon by making it bigger. It's because, on a stand, yeah. Yeah, it's on a stand, and, and of course the Romans are the ones who say, well, that crossbow's pretty nice, but what if it was ten times the size and could fire a projectile that would go through a wall? That's how the Romans operate. And so, here you go. Well, and the other neat thing, which I guess, here, let me let me fire it first. So, I'll, I'll fire it right at the microphone and see if it doesn't kill the entire Zodgast. We're Maybe. still here. Yeah, so, there you go. Hopefully you heard that crashing noise of our tiny desktop ballista. But the interesting thing is, if you look at it face-on... 
you can see these strings that are in there, which would have been ropes, of course, probably uh, horse hair or something like that at the time. And they, they make two bands of ropes. It's really an interesting strategy because they didn't have anything but rope, right? They didn't right. have... They had nothing that was tensile. Yeah, they had nothing like a, a modern bow would be made of, all those composites. And so uh, each of these two arms is surrounded by the rope, hugged by the rope. And uh, at the top and bottom of the ballista, there are... Uh, cranks that will let you crank those ropes. And the harder you crank the band of ropes, the more torsion it puts on the, uh, the arms. And that's what gives it the, uh, the ability to flick forward or fire forward in that case. So for just taking some rope and some wood, that's some darn good thinking. Yeah. It's no wonder their empire lasted considerably longer than ours will. Uh, we don't make predictions here anymore, do we? Well, ones that we can't possibly live to see the end of is Oh, no that's problem. right then. <laughs> Okay. Call us in uh, 800 years if I was wrong. <laughs> so anyway, that was the desktop ballista. We'll, we'll get a picture of that, and you can enjoy that up on the uh, the website there. And uh, do you want to mention anything about your blog? Well, I can tell you. a good th- week? Yeah, it was a good blogging week. Um, because, and and I don't, I don't necessarily recommend this, but if you go back and think about your childhood, there were parts of it that were probably pretty funny. And so this week, I wrote a blog post about the time I got hit by a car. And the reason I got hit by a car was a funny story because, as it turns out, you can't play baseball in a trailer park because there are windows everywhere. (laughs) It's like playing baseball in a parking lot full of cars. I mean, essentially, that's what it is. And so we started playing baseball, and then we realized that that wasn't going to work. And it occurred to me that I should go to the store and get a wiffle ball and a wiffle bat. Because they weren't going to break anything. So it was pretty reasonable. And on my way back is when I got hit by this car, driven by a woman who didn't see me, well, ever. She did not see me before she hit me. She didn't see me after when the cop said, you hit that boy with your car. I was invisible to this woman. (laughs) And so it's a very tightly defined superpower. It's invisibility, but it only works on one person. And and, uh, she was quite angry at me for... Slowing her down yes. and, and, and interfering with her day, and it resulted in a barrage of furious Yiddish, which I was the only one who understood, and so I had to end up translating for the cops what she was saying. Um, so that is the essence of my blog post. There'll be a link on our website this week, uh, trailertrashwithagirlsname.blogspot.com. Yeah, and then uh, I guess as project updates go, we should we should circle around to the fact that our mornings have been preoccupied with zombies. Yes, and for those of us who scoffed at the let's just meet early in the morning and get some writing done. That was me. <laughs> I wasn't going to name names. Um, it seems to be working because it's a it's a steady and consistent effort. Um, it, it, the, the time is very clearly allocated because despite my, my bragging about how nobody needs me between 5 and 9 a.m., well, I don't manage to get here until 7 if I'm lucky. And then my phone starts ringing because clients are calling me because all computers break in the morning. And so by 8, 8.30, it's over. But in the intervening time, we are actually making consistent forward progress on the zombie book, which I know you are all relieved to hear. Whew. Yes. So that is, uh, that's what's, that's what's going to pass for current events and project updates this week. Yes. And so now it's time to cue up a whole new theme song for a whole new section. Yes. Cue tape. So, 
Tales from Saj History, or something. Something like that. We alluded to this story in the... In the Twitterverse. In the Twitterverse and in the last Sajcast. Oh, yes. Um, the story of Uzo the dog. Uzo the dog. And like all good stories, it isn't just about the big dog and the little dog and the romance that they found at Florida State University. It's about college. It's about what college life is like. And for those of you who have been to college, um, it tends to send you back to the elementals, the basics, as it were. Where's your food going to come from? How are you going to get wherever it is you need to go? Uh, who's taking care of the laundry and the cleaning? And if these were not things that you did as a child, um, it can be quite a... Well, in a lot of ways, I think it's, uh, for those people who maybe didn't go to college, I imagine it's quite a bit like the years, well, the same years in your life, the, the years that you're no longer in your parents' house anymore. Right, you're living... You're fending for yourself, and maybe yes. there's there's less studying to do, but... Right. But you're, you're living on your own for the first time. And so we were preoccupied with... Well, we were, we were broke. Yes. Um, and so much of our day, we were like hunter-gatherers. Much of our day was involved in planning where, where we were going to get food, how we were going to get to get the food, who was going to pay for it. You know, how are we going to keep the lights on and the water running and all the elemental things? And so the first year, as we alluded to in earlier Sajcast, we shared a very tiny studio apartment and we ate maybe twice a week uh, in a big way. And that's how we managed to get through the first year. But the second year, we, we, thought, we thought we could improve our situation and our lot by casting it in with others. That's right. Roommates. Well, with a roommate was the plan. A roommate was the plan, but these things have a way of getting out of control, much like you know, you say, okay, kids, we can get a dog. And then you end up having more than one dog. <laughs> well, let's stick with our plan. So we uh, we had a friend of ours, and we have not cleared this with our lawyers, so we're going to have to use some sort of shorthand here. So let's call him Moneybags. All right, Moneybags. So, for no reason at all. Yeah, for no reason at all. But uh, we, we knew Moneybags from high school. Yes. We, uh, we were acquainted with him there, and he came up to Tallahassee. Right. Not to attend Florida State University. No, he went to community college. He went to TCC. So he drove 900 miles or so to go. He drove 600 miles to go to community college. community college. But I think, I think in part, he wanted to get away from, you know, he wanted to go away from home and, and he knew us from high school, so it wasn't a completely foreign environment. And he did not help his own cause. He kept talking about how much money he had and, well, he was a free, he was a free spender even in high school. Yeah, he was a free spender. He had a job. I mean, a pretty good job. And so he was he was not uh, cheap or stingy with his money. He also had a car. And so if you're following along in the workbook, there's a little checklist of things you need to survive college and car and money happens to be uh, near the top. And so he seemed an ideal roommate. Yeah, so we, we suggested to him that uh, we split the rent 50-50, he taking 50 and we taking 50, right. so meaning a quarter of the rent to each of us. Right. So it was a cost savings from that respect. But we had a lot more room. We actually had a living room, a kitchen, like proper rooms that were separate from one another right. and yes. all that. And uh, I don't remember, Did we, I, I assume we took the master because there were two of us. No. Uh, yes. I mean, we took, the bigger, space-wise. Yeah, we we took to. the bigger bedroom and shared it. And then he took the smaller bedroom, but he had it all to himself. And it was near the bathroom. And it was near the bathroom. Um, so, uh, you know, we believe that this was a fair and equitable distribution based upon who was paying for what. Um, but as time went on in this apartment, we... Also got another roommate, quite against our will. Quite against our will. Yeah, this was a, I mean, I don't remember the exact circumstance of his first arrival, but it was one of these, you know, I kind of got thrown out probably by my old lady, 
and can I crash here tonight kind of thing. And, you know, being the likable, easygoing sort that we're, we're like, oh, yeah, there's a couch there. Go nuts. Do whatever you want. Like, you know, we right. don't care. Little did we know. <laughs> well, he never left. I mean, that, he that, never left. And this is the art of mooching. This is the art of, of and, and we can't use his name either. So we're going to call him Homo Free Lotus. Which we actually called him at the time. So Yeah, we did. So I guess he knows who he is. But um, he never left. And he, he, again, he stayed out of the way. You know, yeah, I mean, as much as someone who's living in your living room can. <laughs> well, right. But I mean, you know, most of the time, if it was bothering us, we would have gotten rid of him. And so. Well, I think it was morbid curiosity in some ways. All morbid's probably not the right kind of curiosity because he, Homo Free Lotus, was pretty well off with the ladies. Oh, that's right. And there were many a time that I remember walking through, you know, the little passageway of the kitchen, living room on one side, kitchen on the other, and there would be the, the quiet, Muted sounds of lovemaking, which they were kind enough to dial down. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the fact... This is still a family sage But right? the fact that, you know, you can be a dude who can score with ladies is one thing, but to score with ladies when you're freeloading off someone's couch, like, I mean, this... Oh, how, yeah. How that conversation must have gone, well, I can't even begin and, to and, Well, I mean, because what's your pickup line? You want to come back to somebody else's place where I sleep on the floor? <laughs> And, and 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 so we're like okay, but that worked. And There's so a dog. We were curious. We were just curious to see how that worked because we're great studiers of things, and we want to know. I mean, we have spent our lives looking at what works for other people and going, well, how did that work? Did that work right. And so this was just one of those things. So uh, Homo Free Lotus and uh, and Money Bags were our roommates the second year of college at Florida State, and Money Bags got a dog at some point. Yeah, and this was a weird move because we. I mean, we had. Quasi adopted a cat the year before, uh, yeah. in the sense that there was like a stray cat that we would start feeding. It kind of lived in our house for a while, right? And but then it, but some in, girls took it, and yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't recall what happened, but I think I think in all fairness, it's important to to remind everyone that we could barely feed ourselves. Yeah, it was uh, a for us to a take liability. on. Yeah, for us to take on a pet was was almost cruel <laughs> because if the pet you know locked in and said, "Oh, I live here now." It would have been in the same boat we were, which was leaking and had no food in it. So, Well, and we also tell the children out there in the world that college is not really the time to get a pet. No. Because you have to take them with you when you're done, which, I mean, this wasn't our dog, but, but uh, Moneybag certainly took it with him. Right. Something had to be done with the dog. And that's, well, and, and essentially that is true of dogs in general, is that something must be done with them. You can't just leave them they're, gravity-fed they're water. They're a 10-year investment, right. you know, at least. Right. And they're a daily investment because... Oh, yeah. Unlike cats, they can't attend to their own business, and you can't just leave them a giant bowl of water and a giant bag of food and expect they'll live the week. So um, so the dog was, well, and we considered the dog to be his problem. Yeah, it was a, it was, I want to say it was a black lab or something. Very tiny. It was a, it was a little dog, kind of Sophie size, maybe even a little smaller. It was smaller. It was a very small But it was dog. a, it was a black lab mix of some sort. It, again, it came from a pound. He went to the, the uh, Leon County Animal control place or whatever right. and, and picked it Drop up there yeah. then the now because we planned on improving our fortunes with one roommate who we could call money bags and now we had two more roommates and a dog yes this is where our plan may have skidded a little off the rails yes but we made the best of it because we said well instead of lamenting the fact as i did, have done uh in in very recent years that now there's a dog here we have to deal with Let's see if that works to our advantage. So um, the dog came in handy when we were pulling an all-nighter studying for calculus because we entertained ourselves by gluing pretzels to the floor and seeing how long it took the dog to get them up. 
otherwise, we would have been bored because we were studying, in case I haven't been clear, calculus. The dog became a regular feature, and the dog's owner, Moneybags, was not the kind of guy to let the dog too far out of his sight. He was always carrying the dog around, and he was very paternal with this dog because his favorite punishment was to tie the dog up in the shower when it was bad yeah. and then turn the water on. Apparently. And we were like, well, that's... Yeah, the first time you come home and you need to use the restroom, you open the door... And there's a wet dog. And I just had this recollection just this very moment. As you open the door, do you remember what was on the door? And I think this was a piece of genius for college roommates everywhere. It was the gas mask. There was literally a gas mask. (laughs) Surplus gas mask. Which is not a derisive comment about money bags or Homo Free Lotus, except that it was necessary... It was just good planning. (laughs) ...where they were concerned. So you would wander past the gas mask to just, you know, go into the bathroom to have your quality time. And you're like, there's a wet dog in the tub. And And it's tied there. And sad. And sad. And and so, you know, of all the things that you you hear through a closed bathroom door, um, what's the dog done now isn't really at the top (laughs) of the list. It's, it's, you know, originally it was uh, your dog's in the shower. Like that was normal. Yeah. Like your dog was clearly taking a shower and got stuck in there. No. It, once we figured out that that was his way of punishing the dog, we were like, that's just wrong. Um, so the dog was not enjoying college as much as the rest of us. No, it really wasn't. And so um, there was one day where the dog got out and money bags. Was, this was a Saturday or a Sunday. I want to say yeah. it was a Sunday morning. Right. And, is my recollection. And, and just to set the scene... Uzo was a great date. Yeah, let's recollect Uzo in case in case someone didn't hear last week's Sajcast. Or you forget because it was a week ago. Well, and it's never too late to go back and listen to them again. They're on iTunes. But um, Uzo's parents, his dog parents, were three college-aged frat boys. Yeah. Who, who were not, not yeah. frat boys because they lived in our apartment complex. Yeah. But these Otherwise, the, you would have guessed they were frat boys. That's right. Because these are the kind of guys who always wore sunglasses, never wore shirts, and always wore their hats turned around facing back instead of front. And they were always sitting out in lawn chairs drinking beers, watching their dog, who was this behemoth of a Great Dane, gallop up and down the common grassy areas. Yes. And so one day, um, the little dog, and we don't even remember this dog's name. As hard as we tried, we could not come up with a name for this dog. Right. And the best we've got is, oh, you poor thing. And I think that's as good as it's going to go. So this dog... Um, well, the further set the scene... As I recall, it was spring. It was a cool spring morning, a Sunday morning, and we had the door open. Ah, yes. To uh, to let some air in, you know, it's just nice. Uh, well, Florida, I, you don't I, get I, very many cool mornings, so we also it's an apartment that had a gas mask, so well, you know, open outside ventilation. There's that. There's that. Okay. And um, this wouldn't have been maybe the first time that we had ever opened a door, but um, and I don't remember if it was this particular morning, but I think it may have been, and it certainly happened other mornings where Uzo. <clears throat> kind of being communal dog would wander into anybody's open house that you know if you left a door open Uzo might just walk in and eat any scraps of pizza that you had in your pizza box That's right. you know, so all the crusts that didn't get consumed the night before or whatever they were they were fair game for Uzo in the complex as a whole and so it was on on this morning and I don't think anyone actually saw the act <laughs> the act okay because the noise of the act is forever etched in my memory what we noticed from our perspective, yes, we noticed that the little dog went outside. Yes, and 
Then we saw the big dog come over to see the little dog. Yes. Now, and, and I mean, bear in mind, this is a Great Dane that was, you know, 150 pounds. I mean, just a massive dog. And the little dog was 30, 30. tops? Tops. Right? So. Both, both boy dogs. Oh, yeah. That's worth pointing out. They were both boy, boy dogs. dogs. So what happened next? On a family-centered Sajcast. It's difficult to cover. It's difficult to explain. Um, there was a special sort of love affair that the two dogs shared. Popular in Greece. <laughs> the love that dare not woof its name <laughs> happened out there. And of course, followed by... Now, to be clear, to be perfectly clear I think here, we're trying not to be clear. I think that's really the problem. To be clear here, in the love that dare not woof its name, there is um, a catcher and a pitcher. The little dog was on the wrong end of this situation. It wouldn't have been so bad if their roles had been reversed, but the noise that that poor dog made well, it got made every, it clear. It got everyone's attention, and particularly something bad. <laughs> something bad had happened to Moneybag's dog, and so um, I'm not sure how we broke the news to him because the dog came shooting back into the apartment. <laughs> I was and, amazed it could walk, and Moneybag's was like, "What happened to the dog?" And we didn't want to tell him. But Uzo's dog parents, the three frat boys, were totally flummoxed. They were like, <laughs> Uzo, dude. dude, what'd you do, man? And so, um, anyway, it was, it was quite a, uh, quite a thing that went on that day. This is an occasion for which Hallmark does not have a card. There is Dear no. Dear roommate, sorry your dog was raped. Yes. <laughs> and, and more to the point, it was, it was, you know, because these guys were pretty sorry. They're like, oh, dude, <laughs> we feel we feel so bad for your dog, man. Is there anything we can do? And we missed an opportunity, I think. We did, yeah. Because these guys were always partying. They were always, they were, their apartment was party central. And we were not partiers because we were preoccupied with, you know, getting an education and I mean, we had we had fun, but we. I mean, it's not to say we didn't drink any alcohol. Oh no, or anything like that. But in we case our children are listening, of course, especially once we were twenty-one. Exactly <laughs> then. So um, we could have used this occasion. I mean, we could have leveraged the injustice that had been perpetrated on not quite our dog, but for all they knew, <laughs> for all they knew. Let's blur the lines. We probably could have parlayed the act into an expansion of our. Social mobility. Uh, at least temporarily. I mean, at I'm sure we could have gotten invited to the kegger that night. Right. But then, of course, you know, in retrospect, let's just say that, well, who are these guys? Oh, dude. These are the guys who Uzo, well, let me tell you. And I don't know if that would make us look good. If that story getting related, I mean, we, we would have to then make it clear that it wasn't our dog, at which point our recently gained social mobility probably would have been over. Yeah, it was a it would have been a dicey proposition. So, anyway, good news for everyone is that we missed whatever opportunity had been occasioned by Uzo's transgression upon our roommate's dog and did nothing. So, yeah, there's a there's that story which involved, you know, some strange strange events. The fact that uh homosexual apparently does occur in the natural world. I don't know if in some situations. But, but as I explained earlier, my dog is a hugger because she was raised by two little girls. I Uzo, I was going to say, I don't know what you're going to say about the boys that raised Uzo. Well, nothing because we haven't gotten them to sign any waivers either. But 
in a nature versus nurture environment. Uzo was not raised properly. Clearly. So He did not have a good sense of boundaries. I he mean, he was a pizza-munching, walk-into-your-house kind of dog. Right. Well, the simple fact that everybody in the complex knew his name, yes. right, meant that he had at one point visited everyone. And Upstairs, who, downstairs, it didn't matter. Didn't matter because he was everywhere. And so I don't think we should necessarily blame nature in this case. I think maybe we should look look to the parents and say, what did they do wrong in this particular case to turn this dog into the kind of dog that he was? And so endeth the tale, although, uh, in another new uh, advancement for the Sajcast, a twist, we are going to blog the story in, well, I don't want to say its entirety, but uh, we'll provide a full, More a full transcript of the story as opposed to the pithy one-liners we normally deliver on That's right. the, uh, the page. So uh, that way you can share the story with other people in case they just really find the sound of our voices irritating. <laughs> Which is a disturbing amount of the feedback we've gotten so far. On to reviews. Ah, yes. In my new career as a blogger, I have met many wonderful people on the internet and uh, using Twitter and Facebook. As I mentioned last time, what I do is when I meet a writer online, I go and I, I read their writing. To see if I like it, if see if it's any good. And so this week I'm reviewing a book called PGB, which stands for Psychotic Genius Bird by Christina Fifield Wynn. And it makes her sound like the 17th Duchess of Fifield, but I don't think she's British. That's a lot of acronymal stuff there. It is indeed. Uh, a lot of initials. And here's what she does well, because I have not, I've read more than just this one book. She has a blog. There'll be a link to that on the website. Um, she has written a number of books. They're short books. Um, I think they should be longer, and I think that's a compliment when you're when you're reviewing books. If you think there should be more of it, well, that's that's a good thing to say. Um, what she excels at is humor, for one thing. And humor is not as easy as you might think, but in her case, it's humor on top with more more stuff going on underneath, which is the essence of a good story, is that it is not just what it looks like. There's more going on. And so in PGB, the story opens with the heroine, Samantha, and she is a little bit OCD. And anybody who has OCD know there's no such thing as a little. She's got it, and it's full-blown. Um, and, and here's why the author, in this case, is good, because I'm not OCD, and I think... I think everybody listening would admit that. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm really not OCD. But by page three of this book, when the main character is talking about how she has a toothbrush for every day of the month and then throws them out after she does, she's done 30, using 30 toothbrushes. She has 30, yeah. 30 tooth, toothbrushes. And then, you know, for the months that have 31, she's got another one. By the time she's done describing that, even if you're not OCD, you're like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> I mean, it, by the time you get to the point of the 30 toothbrushes, you're sucked in. You are fully on board with this girl who is OCD and has, you know, a number of problems. And, and the way that this works is, is that, um, you know, after a dream that she has, which is the opener of the story, she, it's, she says, I wake up facing the safety wall and, well, that's a red flag because most people don't have a safety wall, but she does. Um, and she lines things up. She says that her, her footwear was a literal inch from her dust ruffle. And then she goes on to tell you that she knows that 
because she measured it. And then you say, aha, something's going on. And then from there, she goes in to describe her striped cereal bowl so she knows exactly how much cereal to put in it and exactly how much milk to add. And then she's got a porta potty so she can sit and watch TV without interruption. And, um, and the things, and what does she watch on TV? She watches things like Jerry Springer and, and all these shows in which the people that you're watching, no matter how screwed up you might be, they're way worse off. And, and the crowning line there is, she says, as long as I stay on my couch, I'll never be in their predicament. Now, that is the pot calling the kettle black. That's saying, well, you know what? I may be messed up, but I'm better than you. And that is her consolation. And as it turns out, Samantha has retreated into this OCD nightmare because her car got broken into and she feels violated and she doesn't feel safe. And so if she was a little OCD before, now it is full-blown crazy. And so uh, she does have a friend, Lara, who comes to try and pull her out of her OCD um, bunker mentality, because that's what it is. And um, the sense of the emotion, that the, the, the essence of their friendship is when Samantha says, it will be Lara, my one and only loyal friend, who will find the remains of my rotting body after I die. That's friendship. Indeed. And if you're OCD, you don't forget to remind her that there is a box of surgical gloves so that you won't get any maggots on you when you find my <laughs> body. And and so here's the thing. That, to me, is just good storytelling. Once you believe that this girl is fully OCD, it is not abnormal for her to think about the surgical gloves for her poor friend who will be the one to find her body when she dies. And that, I mean, that's just good. Okay? Uh, Lara does get her out of her apartment. They go for a walk. And uh, along the way, they meet um, uh, a young man who's a paraplegic. And he's described as a former na- neighborhood drug lord dethroned by a drive-by, which is a great phrase, that shoots him into retirement at age 19. And then in the next paragraph, and he can't speak. I mean, he's, he's, he's clearly a vegetable after his incident. And then the next paragraph says, I wonder if his soul feels trapped in his broken and useless body. Is he actually inside trying to claw his way out? And And this is the kind of... This is almost what you might think somebody who has OCD would think of somebody else. I mean, when you're in your own self-imposed prison, and then you come outside and you meet somebody who's in a a much more tangible prison, you start to wonder what's going on in there. Has he learned his lesson, or is he pleading with God to give him another chance? And that, to me, those two paragraphs right there are the best part of the book in terms of pure elegance and art. The end of the book, of course, the PGB part is where they meet the bird, and the bird, um, well, the bird's psychotic and genius, and uh, you get a sense that this is what's going to drive Samantha back to her, her cave of safety. This is a sample of C.F. Wynn's talent for writing stories that anybody can really believe in. That you can, uh, you can get with a character who is so different from you in, in real life. But when you're in the middle of this story, you believe as she believes. You're motivated by what motivates her. You're, you're thinking about some of the things that she does that are totally off the wall to anybody else, but when you're in the middle of this story, you're thinking, no, I'd do that. And that's why it's a good book. There'll be a link on the website. You should go to Amazon and buy it. And uh, like the books that we love here, you should keep it on your Kindle and uh, and read it more than once. Do you have her Twitter handle offhand? Twitter handle is at Cafe Castro. And Cafe is spelled with a K. So it's K-A-F-E Castro, as in the dictator of Cuba. With C. With a C, right? <laughs> so we'll put that up on the website too, um, because if you follow her, you'll be in the loop when she publishes her blog posts, 
which are called the Coffee Break series. And they're kind of shorter stories, uh, more about things that happen to her. But you can see in there is some of the inspiration for some of her longer work. It is a, it is a, a total entertainment package, shall we say. And um, you should definitely uh, get into it if you like good stories that are well told. And if you don't, why are you here? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let us cue up the theme for everyone's favorite section. Roll tape. Food porn. Food porn it is. And there has been, we admit, somewhat of a decline in the food porn quality since we went on the low carb. I was going to say, we, we may actually have to admit moving forward that food porn and Saj history may may blend somewhat, at least until we clear the diet because we realize that uh talking about you know the same pieces of red meat or chicken <laughs> make it <laughs> make it old for a time and we have lots of stories that we can recollect although we don't have pictures of all those meals but uh that may be our safe haven for a few weeks yeah it might uh, be in the future. It, it might be easier for us to talk about the all the bread and carb-based things that we ate <laughs> in years past instead of the repetitive meat that we seem to be on today but um but today is a well, red meat letter day, but it's a it's a, spe- a special time in Sajcast history to mark our tenth commemorative Sajcast. Today, the best thing we ate this week is the best thing we ate today, which we ate in pre-prod. So I don't think that's ever happened that we actually ate a meal and then came and talked about it. I don't think so. But if you were curious about whether we were factually accurate, go back and listen to all the Sajcasts, please. <laughs> Correct us. Prove, prove us wrong and, and, and post a comment on the website uh, and you may denigrate our recollection all you want. Well, to be fair, they probably don't know when we ate all those meals, but... No, we tell them. But yeah, I don't think we've ever done one quite like this. Quite like this, because this happened in pre-production. We, uh, now, in one of our prior uh, writing Saturdays, yes, we had attempted to go... Just before, just before I went on vacation. Before you went on vacation. Yeah. We had... We attempted to go to the Brazilian Steakhouse in downtown Cincinnati, Buena Brasa. Yes. And we went there on a Saturday at noon because there was a legend in the land that they were open for lunch. Right. And so we went there and we found that they were not. Having already parked downtown. Yeah, we had already parked downtown. It's kind of a commitment. But, well, it's kind of a commitment, but also it's, it's like this. The big mistake you make when you're on any kind of restricted diet is to think that, oh, well, if we can't go there, any place is good, because it's not. Yes. If you're restricted to no carbs, your choices are really limited. And this is how we found out. We did not go to the Brazilian Steakhouse on that particular Saturday. We went to a place that was nearby and open. Yes. Which Big, will remain nameless. We are not going to name this place. because I don't remember the name. We could, well, <laughs> let's be clear. We, we could, we we could, could find it. We yes. could find out, but we're not going to release their name, because... For all we know, with the introduction of actual carbs, it might actually be a decent place. But if all you got is meat, it was not good. <clears throat> well, this was a place that the Sunday morning buffet, which is really what we were hitting there, involved hot dogs with buns that they had brought out from the store like you would buy and hot dogs of the same caliber. Yes. So I'm not sure the inclusion of carbs would have helped much. Right. But, but, but be that as it may. Yeah. Be that as it may, you can't fall back. To your second choice or your third choice or whatever it might have been, you're going to have to stick to your guns. If we can teach you anything in food porn, it's that, you know, go for quality and don't compromise. Right. And if you're not on a restricted diet, feel free to explore and learn new things. That's how we find new places that we right. like. Yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, well, anyway. You can accidentally discover a great place. This was not what happened to us. And so we resolved in the way of planners, because we are planners. We said, oh, we're going to get to that Brazilian steakhouse, and they'll be sorry. And all that came to pass. And so, well, we should step back a little, because I like to assume for a moment that people don't know what the hell we're talking about most of the time. Oh, that's right. If you don't have experience at a Brazilian steakhouse, let's talk for a minute about what that means. A Brazilian steakhouse, in, in, the, in the terminology of the Brazilian, is a churrasqueria. Oh, Lord. And uh, the most famous of which, I believe, is Fogo de Chao. So you may have heard of that or seen it in a magazine somewhere. Yep. Um, they're all around the U.S. Uh, there's also another one called Tejas de Brazil, which is also uh, almost as popular. So if you've seen any of those, this is the sort of thing we're talking about. And what we have in there, and this is pretty much common across all of them, are um, young men dressed up as gauchos. That's right. And a gaucho is like a cowboy, but in Argentina or Brazil or somewhere down in the, the well, southern. I think, I think classically it's Argentina or the cattle ranching parts of Mexico. Yeah, I mean, anywhere down below the U.S., those different sort of cowboys. They right. dress a little differently. They've got um, they've got the really high knee boots, and yeah. uh, for decoration they have their little fancy belts with a sword and whatever in right. there. And so it's all you know neat and, and colorful in that sense. But the, the style of cooking is also very consistent across this, and this was true. I was in Brazil once, and it was true there. So uh, fogo de chao means fire on the floor, or so I'm told. Fogo seems to sound like fire, so I'll go with that. Well, in fogo de chao, at least, they're supposed to have a fire pit in the floor. Some of you can see them, and they put um, these skewers in a circle around the fire, and the skewers turn, turn much yeah. like a rotisserie spit would, um, to keep the meat you know, turning around the fire. I don't know that... Buena Braza does this, but it's the same sort of thing. They have some sort of rotisserie going over a hot fire, um, and they just cook their meat until it's crispy on the outside, but, well, towards the middle, very rare. Right. They bring this around uh, in a service where they are essentially carrying meat on a sword. Yes, sir. That, I mean, that's the, the, the image yeah, you're going so, yeah. for, is meat on a sword. They bring it to your table, and you have these little um, discs. Mm-hmm. One side's green, which means bring on the meat, and the other side's red, which means, for God's sakes... Stop. But they'll come to your table with a with a type of meat on a, on a skewer. They'll tell you what it is, and they'll see if you want some, and you have little tongs that you can grab the meat off as they cut it. Yes. As they cut it right there at the table, and then you're eating meat. And, and of course, you know, for those of you out there who may not think that a great deal of meat is a good deal, uh, they also have this extensive bar of sides and Yeah, salads. and this is consistent across all of them right. as well. I mean, there's, you know, they have side dishes, things that go with meat, you know, mushrooms, asparagus. Uh, your your standard salad. salad bar. They've got rice. They've got uh, the black bean fashuada thing. Right. They've got mashed potatoes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's between the meat on the swords and the whole bar, you're getting a relatively balanced meal. But to be clear, oh, that the little cheesy biscuits on the table, cheesy biscuits oh, on the table. Tempting. But that's not why we were there. No, no, we were there for meat in as many different forms as we could get it. We were there to to break their curve. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we got there very early. I mean, we, we got there before 6. Yeah, we actually had to push our way through crowds of people who weren't sure if the place was open. Yes. Like, get out of the way, because <laughs> we were here like two weeks ago, and, and we're thwarted and denied, and you're in our way, and you need to move. Well, the other thing I would say is that this isn't a cheap place to go, and, and none of these are. Um, you know, you'll spend 50 bucks on dinner. Uh, if you can get to one for the mysterious and, and perhaps... Uh, legendary lunch it's it's maybe half that so maybe maybe that's why they're not open for lunch. yeah i was gonna say if you can find one go for the lunch but the reason it's so expensive isn't just that the the salad bar is excellent it's that the meat 
is it's great meat. It's not this is not cheap meat. This isn't the meat that they're serving at Golden Corral, right? right. I mean, this is good, good meat. Yes. And so, as you said, uh, we we sat down. We actually feigned eating a salad. Actually, you had a good plate of veggies. I was impressed that you were able to put all that down and then the full battery of meat. I've been informed that vegetables are important. <laughs> and so and so we did. And yeah, we sat down. We flipped our tokens over to the green side to say, yes, bring it on. We are ready. And uh, the nice thing about being there this early was I don't think we were the only table in our area, but there was maybe that other big group that kind of sat down shortly thereafter. But it was essentially an empty restaurant. And so the meat was ready and you didn't have to wait because sometimes you have to wait if there's, you know, a lot of, especially at the peak hour, like the place is just completely hopping and you're like, oh, look at that great piece of filet mignon over there. Oh, he's not coming this way. Oh, he's all gone. (laughs) (laughs) You lament the meat that was not yours. I mean, there's always as much as you can have, but but sometimes the uh, the timing doesn't work out the way you want. And so here... There was a stream of gauchos coming from the kitchen to our table. And we were the only people there, so they where else could they go? And I mean just just to run through the kinds of meat that were presented to us, you know, there was there were sausages, there was lamb, parmesan, crusted chicken, garlic garlic sirloin. Garlic, garlic sirloin, filet yeah, so mignon, and the house special picanha, which is um it is a steak where um, it's got a ribbon of fat running in it, but what they do is when they skewer it, they they turn the cut so that it makes um, like a semicircle where the outside is all the fat and the inside is all the meat. And so as it cooks, it's self-based. That's right. Hence the house special. It is the house special. And, uh, and it is quite good. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, top sirloin, bottom sirloin, the filet mignon, the picanha were all just... Out perfect, perfectly done. I mean, yeah. they're cooked perfectly. You know, there is such a thing as a as a meat stupor that you can fall into. Yes, we have the meat sweats at this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that we should describe. We've turned the, the air down in the studio several times, and yet the meat sweats persist. There's nothing pretty about this week's podcast, <laughs> um, but it's and, and this is not something you should do every day. Oh Lord, no! But if you're on the low carb, this for a treat. This is the probably the best thing you could do. On a low carb diet. Yeah, I mean, short of like all you can eat chicken wings at your favorite chicken wing place, this is this is tops. Yes. So we definitely recommend it. There'll be a link on the website. Um, again, it's it is expensive, and since I paid, that means you're buying the next several because yes. it's it's expensive. I mean, it's it's an occasion place to go. Yes. And the occasion of us going was that we had once been denied at lunchtime on two Saturdays ago or three Saturdays ago, and we can only eat meat. And so, and we were very, very hungry and didn't have a good plan otherwise. That's right. <laughs> uh, and so, um, needless to say, however expensive it was, we got our money's worth. Oh, I think we did out of this trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because there was a point at which they uh, they sort of this is a technique I've seen in many of these restaurants where they'll swarm you because they're like, we're just going to clear this table out because you know they need turnover tables like everybody else. Day really wasn't well, was starting issue. to fill up. There, yeah, it was right? starting, but they, yeah, they figured, okay, this is it. And so, in the the first couple pieces that they give you are, I don't want to say razor thin because they're not, but like somewhere on the order of a thick piece of bologna. Yeah, a sample cut, really. Yeah, and so you're enjoying that, <clears throat> and then as they uh, as they move on, they figure, okay, we can break these guys now, and then they went for two fingers worth of meat, you know, to three fingers worth of meat. To do you want the whole piece? Uh, which was the filet mignon and a couple other pieces where they were giving us things that were an inch across. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, so at that point we flipped our cards over to red and they, they went home victorious. But once we cleared the plate, 
We flipped them back, back over to green. And, and, I got, and, and for those of you who are listening to the new feature of the Sajcast, Tales from Saj History, it's not much of a stretch <laughs> for even the uninitiated to realize that these are going to be stories that involve food. It's not all about violated dogs. Because, shall we say that in the past, in our past, there have been many, many a buffet operator. Oh, yes. Who thinks that they're going to turn a profit on us and have been not just sorely mistaken, but in one particular legendary case, driven to drink. Yes. At the sight of our approach. Mm -hmm. So uh, another lesson there, a couple pieces of advice if you find yourself going to one of these places. I recommend the... um, they, I don't know what it's called in Brazilian, but there's a vinaigrette sauce that they'll make that has um, peppers, red peppers, green peppers, onions, cilantro, and it's in vinegar. Pairs very well with just meat. And if you're on the low carb, pretty safe to go that way. So, uh, especially because you're not going to eat all that much of it anyway. But uh, that was a, a good choice. And the other one, which is to, to remember what we just said, was that this is not uh, this is not a wedding. This is not luggage. It's not forever. You can turn the card to red and then change your mind again. And that's kind of what we did, playing playing a little trick on them. Once we had cleared that plate, we went back to green and had several more plates, and they were they were quite stunned. <laughs> yeah, I think that they were um, they didn't know what to make of us, but that's okay. I know when we when we so we were getting up to leave, and I looked down because there's tablecloths. It's that kind of place, nice place, and and I, it just looked like the, the the Roman Coliseum's battlefield. There was blood, <laughs> you know, grease, lions, Christians, pieces was... of unrecognizable things everywhere. Yes. And, and mostly so, it wasn't our fault. It's not that we're pigs, but because they're, as they're cutting it at the table, yeah, it's, it's mean, a messy. They're operation. cutting meat at the table. I mean, we're not animals. And so we have come to the end of another Sajcast, our tenth Sajcast, as a matter of fact. And this one was sponsored by the Noble Dog. Yes, the makers of "You've Got to Be Kidding Me." It's raining outside. Not on the carpet. Drop that. And by the way, where did you get that? And shut, shut the, the hell, hell up. up. Yeah.